My wife can tell you I get pretty into a good story. Uh, it's actually pretty rare for me to watch a movie without immediately having to get on Google and finding out what life really was like in Edwardian England or if New Zealand really does look the way they make it look in The Lord of the Rings or any number of other such things. Uh, but it's the case with the really, really best stories that they keep bouncing around my head for so long because I wish that they were true. How great it would be to step through the screen and get to grow cabbages in the Shire. That would be great. Uh, well, if you can receive it, Christianity is a story that also happens to be true. It really happened, and it's continuing to happen now. And so if you can, I urge you to hear these words as words of a story that are also true. Uh, one of the early Christians, a disciple of Christ, a disciple of Christ John, uh, was in exile, and he saw a vision of the risen Christ, and then he wrote this. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen, let it be. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first letter and the last letter, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Nathaniel. I can sense it would be, if Nathaniel was a hobbit, he'd have a hard time leaving the Shire. He looks like a big hobbit, doesn't he? All right, let me find my place here. Let's, uh, let's go before the Lord and let's pray. Our Father, thank you for today. Thank you that we can hear your word. And you have a, a perfect um, intent and design behind your word today. And you will, uh, you will pierce our hearts with it for our good. You will uh, be committed to this church for its good. And uh, may we leave this morning convinced that you spoke to us. And if you would do that, we will lift our hearts to you throughout the week. And we will give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Uh, yeah, this morning we're going to look just briefly at uh, Revelation chapter 1. It is uh, not your typical Easter morning uh, text. Uh, so typically you'd have a, a, a resurrection text or a, a resurrection conversation with Jesus uh, and, and uh, him explaining to, uh, to the disciples all that took place. But this morning I want to cover this extraordinary passage uh, in, in just a, in the time that we have. And it's, uh, it's really what we're doing today is we're, we're taking a look at someone who is embodying 
the glorified truth that Jesus rose from the dead and is, this truth is now living in him and the, the glory of all that's taken place is now embodied in this person. His name is John and he is the writer of the Revelation and he is greeting these churches uh, and we're going to just glean some insights uh, into uh, this passage. It's, a, it's an extraordinary passage. What, what really does, what makes a good story? Would you, would you be bold enough to say something out loud right now? What makes a good story? Now, I know some of you could say, well, when someone rises from the dead. Okay, well, that's, that's good. But yes, what makes, did you write, was your hand raised? What, what makes a good story? Yes, I see your hand. Suspense. Suspense. Ah, good. All right. Conflict. Conflict. All right. A happy ending. Ah, I love it. Okay, that's good. Imagery. Ooh. What else makes a a lesson? The is that Anya? Is that you? Hi. How are you? Hi. A lesson, and the moral of the story is right. Okay. The character who's in it. Why should I care about them? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. How about good and evil? conflict a little bit over here. Good and evil has to be in a good story. A great story has to have good and evil. And it's clearly just, you figure out, oh, I get it. That's, that's, the, that's the evil character and this is the good one. Um, how about an underdog? You've got to have an underdog. You've got to have someone who's willing to enter the fray. Usually they're somewhat reluctant, right? They kind of see what's going on and they get involved. Uh, there's an unlikely uh, hero, an un- unexpected hero, and that this person is motivated by love they're motivated by what is right, and they're willing to risk it all. And we are caught up. And the, the, the good films and the good books, uh, these writers know how to get us because they have these elements in these stories that are irresistible. And, and here we are with this great, great story. And there's an underdog, and uh, he's an un- unlikely, unexpected hero, motivated by love, willing to risk all. And, of course, uh, he is Jesus Christ. God writes the best story. And all the stories, all the great stories are, are mirroring this story. All the great stories are somewhat like this story. One author named Richard Denny said that authors do not choose a story to write. The story chooses them. Interesting. I would have, I have to say that today... We are observing a story. We're hearing about a story. We are reimagining a story. And you know, I want to communicate to you that the story, uh, God has chosen you to be part of the story. If you're here today, there's a great reason why. It's a marvelous story. And it will, if, if this story gets inside you, uh, you will be a different person. The great stories have a remarkable ability to capture your heart. They get inside you. They have personal power. Uh, they have, there's a genuine hope that's, uh, de- that comes inside you. It grows inside you. Even quiet, withdrawn people become courageous, and they're, and they're drawn out for the battle, and they're, they're willing to do hard things. Um, and a good story holds forth a vision of life. It holds forth a, a future, and there's, and there's hope. And it has a deeply transforming power. And our guide today is the Apostle John, who was, was brought into this extraordinary story. And uh, now he's letting us know 
uh, that Jesus Christ rose and, and ascended into glory, and now he is greeting us, he's greeting the church, and saying, I, I want you to see what, what transforming glory is available to you as you learn about this great God. So just by way of a quick outline, uh, the great story that we're looking at includes good news from heaven. The great story includes heartfelt worship, and the great story includes a final, a final chapter. Look at verse 4 of chapter 1 there. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. Boy, that's quite a greeting, isn't it? Boy, that is just full of turns and titles. And these are, these are words written to people who are, who are suffering and are going to encounter a difficult time. And this is a, this is a big Big, lofty picture of God, and John is giving them, uh, this, his original audience, a picture uh, of, of good news from heaven. Heaven is packed with grace for God's people. Uh, we need continual good news as his people. Uh, if you are here, just listening in and coming to, to church on, on Easter morning, it's great to have you here. And, and if you're, you're not a Christian here, we, we're really excited that you're here. And you're among people who constantly need this news, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Uh, let me just speak for all of them. They don't have their act together. And, uh, and, and, and one of the reasons for that, I'll take that amen. One of the reasons for that, one of the reasons for that is that it expresses when we when the, the wheels come off our wagon and we just we, we, we lose it and we, we act rather like just anyone else and perhaps even if someone doesn't believe, we need to come back Sunday after Sunday. And so this text tells you, if you're a Christian, look at, look at that text. Grace and peace to you uh, from, from who is and who was and who is to come and the seven spirits who are before his throne, essentially saying the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And then from Jesus Christ, it's a Trinitarian Greeting, and you need a robust view of God to make it in this world, and you need to have great, great ideas moving around in your mind and heart to be fueled to serve Him and to be courageous and to serve His purposes. And this is inviting believers to remember the great story. The great story has continual news from heaven. For you, the great name of God is used here. Exodus three fourteen, when God introduces Himself to Moses, "I am that I am." This is the, the language that John is borrowing, saying that the great I am, the eternally present one, the one who is sufficient for your needs, the one who has no needs, is the God who is with you and for you. And so, this a trinitarian a greeting: the Father, the Spirit, and the Son. We Christians need a reminder of this Sunday after Sunday. And then we have this expression of the, the seven spirits. This is kind of a John loves the number seven. And uh, he's writing to seven churches in Asia. Well, there's a lot more than seven churches in Asia. And this is in modern-day Turkey. And, and so John loves the, the term, the, the number seven, because it expresses fullness and completeness. And so the completeness of the Holy Spirit is moving about heaven 
And the completeness of the Holy Spirit is moving among his church. And so it's to encourage Christians. And then finally, look at the beautiful titles given to Jesus. And he gets the most titles here. Faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. Well, wouldn't that encourage you? Doesn't that encourage you? The ruler of kings on earth. He's just the firstborn of the dead. He's the prototype of a whole new generation of humanity. He rose from the dead. He's the second Adam, bringing now a whole new people, a whole new humanity that will never, never die. And so this, he's this witness, the, the prophet. He's the faithful one who stood uh, willing to suffer for the truth of God, came to a, a people who were hard to the truth, and he spoke faithfully the message of salvation and the message of the kingdom. And so these great titles are given to us to tell us that God's intervention in the world, the story doesn't end in Jesus rising from the grave. The story continues, and and now we are part of God's intervention, and the world continues. And from heaven, from heaven, all these things, these truths are available to us as we serve. And, and the, the, the movement going on in this passage, Revelation chapter 1, uh, 4 through 8, the movement goes like this. From, and then, then it comes to us, and then it goes back to God to. From God, and then we, we worship, and go, it goes back to God to. That's the movement. That's what's happening. When Christians get a hold of these beautiful truths, this is what takes place, that our hearts are renewed and we move into worship. And so let me just move to our second point then. The second point is that the great story includes deep, heartfelt worship. Uh, take a look uh, at jo- uh, Revelation 1 and then uh, look at, as it wraps up. It says, he is the firstborn of the dead. Uh, this is verse 5. And the ruler of the kings on the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Notice the word to. Now there's a transition that takes place there. From this great God, from this Father, from this Spirit, from this Son. And now the movement goes to the one who has freed us from our sins and who loves us. This is now the movement. Every great, the great story that we're part of includes Worship. What's happening now? Worship right now is a, is a moment in our, in our day. It's a moment on this particular Sunday. And we're marking the significance of Jesus Christ. We're worshiping him. We like to have a Christ-centered church, a Christ-centered message. We're doing this in anticipation of the, of the end of the world. We are rehearsing uh, for what is coming We are learning what it means to worship God, to see his lordship in our lives, and we are now under um, his training of of, of what what it's like to really believe and to know this, this, this news. And so this from and to movement, to God, is actually what the Christian life is about. You are serving God. You are offering to God your work, your family, your, your education, everything. It's, it's all going upwards. And this is the movement because God has come down to you, served you so well, suffered and died for you. And now the response of those who grasp that they're part of the great story 
and that there's a great movement of God moving around the world, we now lift up our hearts and it goes upwards to God. What grips your mind this morning? There's a story in your mind. There's something rattling around in your, in your mind and it is gripping. It's the vision of your life. It, 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 it's, uh, it's the animating center of who you are. Some story is going on. It, it may have been shaped from your childhood. Uh, it, it, may have been, uh, it, it may have been deeply impacted by something that just recently happened. Often we are responding and reacting to, the, to, to what takes place in our lives. We're searching for meaning. We're trying to find the connecting points and why did this happen and where is this going? We're always living as if we're in a story. We're always thinking as if we're in a story. Isn't that interesting? God comes to us and says, of course, I made you. I made you for story. Now, enter into the story of stories and have your heart lifted up. God calls us through this great story of Easter morning to have our hearts lifted up. He is the ever-present God who reminds us that he conquered death and the grave and all our fears. And so to live the Christian life, we need to constantly be working on the from part of it. What do I have? What resources are there for me? What should I be thinking about? What should I remember? The from part. And then also working at the level of the to part. And that's why our worship is designed the way it is, to confess sin and to to work at that level of saying, Lord, if you're so good, why do I continue to write my own story and not enter into your own story and help me repent and change my ways and to find the joy of, of your great, great story? So those are two opening ideas there that good news is needed for for the great story the great story is part of the is 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 good news is part of the great story and and then also that worship is central to the great story and then lastly as you think about this that the great story has a conclusion it has a final chapter uh, as christians we understand that we are in a moment in time and we're leaning into the future, and we're, we're, we understand that the one that we worship, if he can conquer the grave, if he can conquer death, if he can conquer these things that are such threats to us, if he can do this, what else can he do? And he tells us, I write all the chapters in the story from the first chapter to the last. Enter into my joy. Enter into my sovereign joy. And now, so the great story has a final chapter. Look at these verses. Verse uh, verse 7. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I am the Almighty who will make all things right. I am the Almighty who will take all, the, all, the, all, all that is left to be completed by way of salvation to the earth, and I will take that and make sure it happens. Some of you today, you're, you're hurting and, and, and sorrow, in sorrow and in pain. Things are not right. It's important that you hear this great story, but you want to have resolution. You want to have justice. 
You want to have a final verdict on things and things that have happened to you that were wrong and evil. God sees those things as wrong and evil. The events that took place against Jesus on that Friday were wrong and they were evil. And, to, and for, a, for a story to be real, it has, to, it has to be, and to be genuine and to speak to our hearts, it has to deal with real evil. Think about it. Some of the great books that you've read, some of the great movies that you, you've seen, and, and that the evil that's portrayed can't be just sort of some goofball evil. It has to be really threatening. It has to be really dangerous. And some of the, some of the things that your children may read, and you say, oh this, is, oh, this is too much. I don't want them to know about that kind of evil. Well, it's wretched, it's real, it's awful, it's terrible. And God enters into this world. And what's interesting about the story that we're looking at today, the story of stories, is this. We thought God would have been distant. We thought he was absent. We thought he didn't care. We thought he wouldn't write himself into the story. We we thought he'd go off to some other planet. But he came to this world. He entered into this world. He entered into your story. He entered into your suffering. He's the one who can make the story make sense. It's extraordinary. He gives you an opportunity now to be changed by his love, to wonder at his greatness. You're in the story. And now we lift up our hearts to him and we say to him be glory, to him be dominion forever and ever and bring the final chapter of the world. Christians, we are not afraid of the future. We lean into the future. We've been told that he will be king over the future. And so we need to lift our hearts up to to live with courage and to move beyond our own small stories and enter into the great story. Every good story has a surprise. And you know, the final chapter of the world will have a surprise. It'll be a surprise that we're looking for. This risen Jesus who has ascended and we would teach that he's king of kings and lord of lords even now. He has a surprise for the world. The world believes that life will just go on and on. And that we ultimately will not have to be accountable to God at all. The truth is, it's not, that's not the way it is. And he is coming. Those who pierced him will see him. And he will make all things new. He will bring about his justice. He'll come for those who are oppressed. He'll come for those who are struck down or jailed. He'll come for those who've been victims. He will come and he will bring his final chapter of justice. Once again, I want to ask you, what story are you part of, really? We all have pretty lively imaginations, I would imagine. We imagine a better life for ourselves, and so we busy ourselves with that quest. We preoccupy ourselves with the story that we're writing in our minds. 
But there's something about us that we know is not right. As often as we may experience uh, happiness or joy or pleasure, achievements, success, we know something is not quite right with us. Romans 1 would say that we're suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. Something's not right with us and God and ourselves and God. We need something to change. And as we look at it, we look at our lives and we begin to think, well, where's it going? Isn't that what you ask a good story? Where is this going? And for the story of your life, you might ask, where is it going? Oh, I know it might lead to, you know, a retirement and enjoying grandchildren or something like that. But, but where's, it, where's it really going? Where am I headed? This great and extraordinary story, the story of stories, is to make us deeply confident of where we're going. That's why the apostles turned the world upside down, because they knew that the love of God would never ever leave them in despair, would never ever leave them in the grave. They knew that they were victors over everything, and they moved about and they changed the known world. What do we learn, finally, from this great story of stories? Well, first of all, the sadness of the world is not total. The sorrow that we experience is not the final word about humanity. Things are terrible in the world, but they're not so terrible because Jesus rose from the grave. Rome has power, but it doesn't have absolute power. Kings and Political kingdoms have power, but they don't have absolute power. Darkness is real, but it's not absolute darkness. For we as Christians already see the sun's first rays rising just over there. The dawn, we see it. The stone was big that covered the entrance to the tomb, but it wasn't so big. Satan is powerful, but he's not that powerful. All around us and in our minds are definitions of what's real. And our stories, the stories in our heads, we're trying to figure out what's real. And this story comes and says, this is real. This is what your heart should long for. This is what you've been made for. This will make you fully alive. In many ways... God has let all of you in on a big secret. The sad thing about human beings is that we only live for what's in front of us. We know there's something else going on, but we just live for what's in front of us. But you, you're the recipient this morning of the great secret. You're the child who on page 10 is figuring out how this thing's going to unravel, or how this thing is going to come to a conclusion. In other words, you all are now catching, wait a minute, that isn't really how it is, right? And evil has been pretending, evil has been giving us a false story, 
and it's not the true one. You see, that's why Jesus said it's important for us to become like children. Because we can, in humility, receive the story that God is giving us. The story we live by is the powerful force of our lives. It forms an inner dialogue we have with ourselves. And for some of you today, the script has had some bad scenes. You're not quite sure how you're going to get over these things, and it will take a long time, perhaps. For, those, for others of you, your story seems to be getting better and better. Everything you touch turns to gold. But God is stopping all of us in our tracks today and saying, every story that we, we think about ultimately needs to be incorporated in the great grand story. When people encounter Jesus... I can't think of a single person who understood what they found. Can you? So think about it. Everyone who encountered Jesus, there wasn't a single person who really figured him out in total. And yet we're in on a great, great secret about who he is and what he can do. The story that God calls us to is drawing us out. It's drawing us out. We see in the crucifixion of Christ, we see ourselves. We see ourselves in full view. And that's perhaps the one thing that we, we felt was not right with our lives with God. Things aren't quite right. What's wrong? I think I've got to deal with sin, but I don't know what to do. We learn that God intended for all the things that are wrong in our lives to be placed on the, the back of Jesus. The whole thing of Jesus being crucified exposes our foolishness, but reveals God's mercy. There are awful things. There are things that make us rebels before God. They are really awful things, and they deserve God's judgment. God took those things more seriously than you ever will. And he sent his son to suffer on your behalf. God made sure his son was in the middle of the story. And he came to suffer on behalf of people. The film we are making of our lives is a film that puts us at the center of everything. And we look really cool. But the film we're writing for our lives, we really don't know what's what's going on. We don't know what's, what's in the next scene. We're really pretty helpless. And so God makes sure that a better script is coming our way. He includes in that script the awful things about us, and then he makes sure that we're never shamed about them again. He is no longer our judge. He is our Heavenly Father. And he gives you a church, and he gives you a, the Bible to tell you this over and over and over. I will no longer be your judge. I took care of all your sins on my son's back, took, dealt with them there, and Jesus left them in the grave. We now have a great privilege. The heavenly father that Jesus enjoyed, who trust, he trusted, the one he loved, the one he adored, that heavenly father, we now have the same relationship with that Heavenly Father as Jesus did. 
And much of the work of the great story in us is to convince us of how wonderful and true that news is. God is going to pull off the last chapter of this story, and he's going to do it with extraordinary glory. I hope that this story gets inside you. If you're not a Christian, we love your questions. We would love to engage and talk with you about what it means to know Jesus. There's an amazing story that's being written, and we're part of it. I hope it puts you on the edge of your seat. I hope it brings you back Sunday after Sunday to say, wait a minute, I forgot that chapter. How does that go again? And join us in this extraordinary journey of learning the story of stories. Will you pray with me? Our Father, thank you for writing such a beautiful story. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that you do not count our sins against us. So, Lord, may this story invigorate us, enliven us, awaken us. We praise you this Easter morning. Amen.